Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sleep.me, formerly called Chili Sleep. You've heard me talk about them before and with good reason. Science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. And temperature-controlled sleep repairs muscle after a hard day's work. It improves cognitive function, so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And definitely, for me, it correlates with more deep sleep. In fact, cooling my sleep environment has been the single most impactful change I've made for my sleep, and I desperately miss my cooler sleep environment when I travel. Chili Sleep makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, restorative sleep. Chili Sleep makes the Uller, the Cube, and the Doc Pro sleep systems, which are all water-based, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over any existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep, and they're designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power your day. They also just launched their new Doc Pro system, which has two times more powerful cold power than other models. It's whisper quiet and has a tubeless mattress pad that allows for five times more cooling contact. You can pair it with the new Sleep.me app for enhanced device control and sleep scheduling. And I love all of these because they cool your bed, not your room, which is more effective at keeping you cool while sleeping and uses less energy than, for instance, running your air conditioning really low all night. Head over to sleep.me slash wellnessmama to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Cube, Uller, or Doc Pro sleep system. The offer is available exclusively for you guys, Wellness Mama listeners, and only for a limited time. So that's sleep.me, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash wellnessmama to take advantage of these exclusive discounts. This episode is brought to you by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end, which is my line of non-toxic, family-focused personal care products, including hair care, oral care, and now deodorant. At my house, the kids' toothbrushes and the kids' strawberry toothpaste are by far the favorites. The toothbrushes come in a three-pack of fun colors, which makes it easy for my kids to know which toothbrush is whose. The strawberry toothpaste tastes great, so there aren't any fights about teeth brushing in my house, and I love that it's formulated around something called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral found in tooth enamel. All of our toothpaste use only EWG verified safe ingredients, are free of toxins, and are packed with ingredients that naturally support the oral microbiome for stronger, healthier, and whiter teeth naturally. We also have a natural whitening mineral toothpaste and a charcoal toothpaste, as well as floss and toothbrushes for adults. Check out these and all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode is all about herbalism, Chinese medicine, and getting back to our radical roots. I'm here with Chloe Weber who is a doctor of Chinese medicine, an herbalist, an acupuncturist, and the co-founder and owner of Radical Roots as well as the founder of the Hidden Root Society. She is an expert in CBD and we talk a lot about CBD and terpenes. She's also an avid bio and neurohacker and mom to her little son named Remy, who has a very rare genetic disorder, which causes, among other things, epilepsy. And in an effort to support him, she did a really deep dive into full spectrum CBD and the wisdom of Chinese medicine. And we talk a lot about all of those different things today, the difference in Chinese medicine compared to Western approach why they work differently and why they can be sometimes even more effective, the three different types of herbs in Chinese medicine specific herbs and how to use them as a mom, how herbs work with CBD synergistically, what terpenes are and how they help these products work better, and why the endocannabinoid system is considered our master regulator. It's a fun conversation. I know that you will enjoy. So without any way, let's join Chloe Weber. Chloe, welcome. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm really excited. I am excited for our conversation and we're going to get to go deep on a lot of topics that I am really excited to learn from you about. But first, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story because from my notes, you had a pretty rare condition yourself and your son also has a extremely rare condition. And we talked briefly before we even started recording. And I think you have some really valuable perspective that moms can hear about this. So if you don't mind, maybe walk us through a little bit of your journey and the perspective it's given you. Sure. It's uh, It's been a very interesting path. 
As you mentioned, I had a rare tropical disease when I was 15 called cutaneous leishmaniasis. I'd been lucky enough to go hiking in Costa Rica and came back with um, a parasitic disease. And so that sort of primed me for the rare and unusual and gave me some interesting life experience at a, at a challenging time. It was a very interesting thing having a rare disorder in New York City as a teenager with uh, oozing pustules on my arm and face. <laughs> but then as I grew up, I started studying ecology and evolutionary biology because what I learned was that I was one of the first people who had been diagnosed with cutaneous leishmaniasis out of Costa Rica. So then I started looking at what we were doing to the environment and how that was affecting diseases and disease spread throughout the world. Flash forward a couple of years, I ultimately fell in love with Chinese medicine, acupuncture and Chinese herbs, and started to look at Chinese herbal medicine as a way to address public health interventions. When I graduated from school with Chinese medicine, which is a really intense three-year program, I decided that I was going to start a nonprofit herbal company where we did custom herbal formulas um, on a sliding scale. And while I was starting that company, I was pregnant. My son, Remy, was uh, born. He was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder called STXBP1. So it's this protein disorder. So basically what it does is it affects this one protein called the syntaxin binding protein. And this protein affects how his neurons communicate. So it affects every aspect of his day-to-day -day life. So he's nonverbal. He just started walking a couple of years ago. He's got intractable epilepsy, Parkinsonian-like tremors, cognitive disabilities, the whole gamut. But he's also the happiest human the world has ever seen. He's so cute. He's so much fun. But so once he was diagnosed, it sort of sent me on a whole different trajectory. And so I left that first business and started Radical Roots, which is the company that I have today where we combine CBD with Chinese herbs so that we can potentiate the formulas and make them really powerful. And, you know, I'm just sort of on a mission to really help people build health uh, through Chinese herbal medicine, as opposed to the current reactive model of medicine that we have today. And I think that's a perfect jumping in point. And I'm so glad you brought up acupuncture and Chinese medicine, because I've done a decent amount of reading on a personal level about these. And it's not something I've gotten to talk a whole lot about on this podcast yet. And I think to your point, it's a whole different way of thinking and working with the body than we often get in Western medicine, certainly even Western alternative medicine. And I think it almost requires like a zoned out understanding of the approach because a lot of people, it seems like from the outside, try to kind of just fit it into the symptom-based approach or kind of like Westernize it. So to start broad, can you walk us through maybe some of those differences and also kind of give us a primer on acupuncture and what's going on with acupuncture for people who aren't familiar? I would guess most people are, have at least, of course, heard of it, but maybe don't understand exactly what's happening. And I know I, I was introduced to it when I had my third and he was breech and I tried acupuncture to turn him. And that's when I first started really learning about it. But I would guess most people have maybe a passing understanding, but not a deep understanding. So kind of walk us through kind of the premise of acupuncture. Sure. Yeah. Well, so acupuncture is uh, one of the legs of Chinese medicine. So there's acupuncture, there's Chinese herbal medicine, there's Tui Na, which is Chinese medicinal massage, then there's Qigong and Tai Chi and Chinese nutritional therapy. So it's this whole beautiful system that's been developed and honed over thousands of years by millions of doctors. <laughs> Acupuncture is where we use single-use needles. They're very tiny. They're about the size of a hair. So you can fit 30 acupuncture needles in a typical hypodermic needle. So they're very, very tiny. So we use these needles throughout the body. We'll do different points, mainly between, mainly from your elbows to your hands and your knees to your feet. But sometimes we'll use other points on your belly or on your head or your face, or you can use it for facial acupuncture even. But basically what we're doing is we are looking to increase the flow of qi and blood throughout the body. So in Chinese medicine, we sort of, we're looking at the free flow of energy throughout the body. We're looking at the body and the mind as a dynamic system, as opposed to sort of, you know, if you have an issue in Western medicine, you're looking at like a one-to-one -one correlation. So if you have this one bacteria, you're going to get an antibiotic. If you have a headache, you're going to get an anti-inflammatory. You know, we're looking at what's causing the headache. Is the headache caused because, you know, you're eating too many sweets and your digestion is weak? Is the headache caused because you're really stressed out and that stress is causing energy to rise to your head. 
So not only do we address the symptoms that are going on, but we're using herbs and acupuncture dynamically in order to address the underlying causes of these symptoms. It's really, I mean, truly, I'm so humbled and honored to be able to practice this medicine. It blows me away every single day. But that's really it. That's the main difference is that instead of just looking at, you know, the symptom and the 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 relief, <laughs> you know, which often causes more ailments, you know, as we all know, with a lot of the Western pharmaceuticals today, a lot of those come with a lot of different side effects, which then potentiates more issues and then more band-aids. <laughs> and so with Chinese medicine, we're really looking to, to address the symptoms, whether that's with acupuncture, whether that's with herbs, uh, whether that's with just energy work and diet, but we're also looking to like really balance the body and harmonize the body overall so that those symptoms aren't reoccurring. And so that we're building health as opposed to responding to disease. I've gotten to have people on and talk about, you mentioned Tai Chi and Qigong, and that really helped me to understand more of the energetic side of the body, which I think I ignored for a long time. I went deep on the nutritional side and learning about supplements, and those were definitely impactful for me in my own health journey. But I've mentioned on here before, it wasn't until I addressed the energetic side through working through past traumas and through the mental health side of it that I really actually saw the changes. And that kind of opened my eyes to this thing that you mentioned they had figured out a long time ago. And now in the Western world, we're so excited to be discovering. And and I think it's a, a much more holistic approach to your point. I'd love to talk a little bit more about how the herbs fit into this, because you mentioned all these legs of Chinese medicine. And it seems like even with the herbs, while some of them are kind of almost like remedy-based, like you said, we're not targeting a symptom. We're addressing the body as a whole and figuring out where those underlying issues are coming from. But I would guess maybe a lot of people listening haven't been to a Chinese medicine practitioner. So can you walk us through like how those herbs would be used, maybe what that would look like if someone came in with a specific health complaint and or if they just were going in for general health? Totally. So herbs are really the backbone of Chinese medicine. If you go to China, um, I studied in Harbin in China, and it was just an incredible experience. But they work herbs into foods and into diet. And to your point, I'm very Western-minded also. And so I started out being very focused on the herbs because we can look at the Western, the Eastern energetics of it and the Western pharmacological actions of it. But then through having my son, Remy, who's so energetically sensitive, uh, you know, as a nonverbal child, you know, like you can just watch him when he's with practitioners or just with different people, he responds so powerfully. It started opening me up more to the energetics of everything. Um, but basically with Chinese herbal medicine, we sort of have three different classes of herbs. So some herbs are used traditionally to sort of build and foster health. So those are sort of the tonic herbs. That's what you're going to find mainly with my product line with radical roots. Those are really building health. You're addressing some of the underlying imbalances in there. And you can see, you know, we tried to make the formulas as easy to take off the shelf as possible. So you can work on the things that you're going through, whether it's stress or anxiety or pain. But basically, those are the tonic herbs that are building health. Then there are herbs that are sort of more for like, acute situations. So if you have a very acute cold or flu, per se, you know, it's possible that Chinese herbal medicine has been treating pathogenic factors out of China for four, 5,000 years. So we might have a couple of formulas that might be beneficial for colds and flus, or any sort of acute situation. I mean, I've had food, you know, I used to take Remy to a doctor down in Ecuador, I would get food poisoning every single time. <laughs> and like, the herbs are amazing for acute situations, whether it's pain, panic attacks, you know, there are so many different things that we can use herbs for in acute situations. And then the third sort of class of herbs is sort of that in between, if you're working with a practitioner, if you have sort of a chronic health condition, then you might want to work with somebody more individually and get a formula that's more tailored to you. So if you have an autoimmune disease, I mean, it's not like something like Radical Roots' products wouldn't be helpful off the shelf, but obviously there are practitioners like myself who are trained with thousands of hours uh, to customize formulas specifically for you. So to me, that's always the gold standard of Chinese medicine. Gotcha. Are there any that you recommend that are kind of general good to have on hand for moms, especially? Because I think a lot of people, when we're breaking that Western mindset of, you know, Tylenol for fever or whatever the normal remedies are in Western medicine. I think even if it's the baby step in that symptom-based approach of like, oh, these are helpful to have on hand for these specific use cases and or like general supportive ones that are great for moms or kids. Totally. 
So again, the cold and flu ones are fantastic. Um, there's a formula called Yuping Fengsan, which is like an immune boosting formula. It's got astragalus in it and a couple of other herbs. I modified that slightly and added some antiviral herbs to it and created our formula windshield. That one's only in capsules, but you could probably find Yuping Fengsan, you know, anywhere on Amazon in like a tincture for kiddos. I hope to do a kid line at some point. I'm just trying to figure out how to make it as strong and tasty as possible. So Yuping Fengsan is one that's great. Yin Chao is pretty commonly known. It's one of the most commonly used Chinese herbal formulas. You can actually find that at Whole Foods. So it's Yin Chao San, uh, Y-I-N-Q-I-A-O. And so that one's great for early stage cold and you have a sore throat. So we really look at the different ways that these things present. So when we're talking about cold and flus in Chinese medicine, we really hone it into the symptoms. So it could be the cold, the sore throat, or like if your cough, is your cough phlegmy? Is it not phlegmy? Is it green? Is it yellow? <laughs> like, or do you have a headache also? So we look at all of those different things and have different formulas for that. But yin chow is one that you definitely want to have on hand. And then in terms of for moms, I mean, I can tell you, I started this company so that I could make Remy his formula because seizures are the worst thing that I've ever had to experience. I can tell you the revive and the rest and relax. Our formulas have helped me so much gain in terms of like gaining back my sense of self and like energy and my ability to show up in the way that I once did before, before the exhaustion and the stress that is being a mom in these times. Um, but yeah, we, we also have our flow state, which is a formula that's based off of Xiaoyao San, which is another really commonly used formula in Chinese medicine. They also call it free and easy wanderer. So that one's all about the free flow of qi throughout the blood. So you can look at it like when you get stressed, the blood sort of constrains, and then there's not a, a free flow of qi. So that's when you're going to see like PMS symptoms, that irritability. So this formula has traditionally been used to help support and regulate women's cycles. And we use it a lot for people who have PMS symptoms. But there's a ton of research on how this formula also helps uh, uh, with anxiolytic anti-anxiety properties and neuroprotectant properties. And then what we did was we added the CBD to it also, which acts on the 5-HT1A pathway in the brain, which is the same pathway that most SSRIs are working on. It also increases neurogenesis in the hippocampus. I mean, the amount of things that CBD does is absolutely mind-blowing. But so we added that to that formula. So flow state is definitely another one that I recommend for moms to have on hand. And let's talk more about the CBD side, because you mentioned a lot of these products stack the herbs with CBD. And I've read a little bit about terpenes and how they can kind of influence the way CBD works in the body. I might be butchering the explanation of that, but is that kind of what's happening in your formula or how does, how do they work synergistically with the CBD and what is that, how does that differ from just the herbs alone? So CBD and uh, cannabis has been used traditionally in Chinese herbal medicine for thousands of years, which is really, really fun for us. One of the things that I see clinically is that, you know, when you're in that fight or flight mode, when you're in that chronically stressed mode, whether it's physiological or neurological, which most of us are under all of under both, especially in this day and age. But if you're looking at the toxins that are in your body and you're everywhere, um, we're definitely under physiological stress, whether you're dealing with a chronic health condition or not. CBD helps calm the nervous system, helps reduce that inflammation, reduce that sort of fight or flight. And from what I see, it helps the body take in and absorb the herbs in a more powerful way by activating that endocannabinoid system. So the endocannabinoid system is kind of a master regulatory system of the body. And I like to think of it as, you know, helping you stay in that Goldilocks zone. You don't want to be hyper firing. You don't want to be hypo firing. So it's in Chinese medicine, we bring it back to uh, what we know as the middle way. So it's this whole art of finding that balance, that middle way and staying away from those extremes, uh, which is something that I think that our society has gotten very far away from these days that I think we could learn a lot from. But it's, it's pretty powerful how the endocannabinoid system works. And basically, when we're under chronic stress, we use up all of our endogenous cannabinoids that we make within our body. And so by supplementing with a high quality, clean uh, CBD product, then we're able to replenish the endocannabinoid stores and help our body sort of get back to that balance. 
the way that they work with the herbs is really synergistic because what we do is we look at whole plant medicine. So all of our Chinese herbs are put together as whole plants, you know, and we use these plants together to create dynamic formulas, as I said. So we're not, we're not only addressing the symptoms, we're addressing the underlying ailments that are going on within the body and the underlying disharmony. So all the research on hemp that's been coming out has been really interesting because they keep talking about the entourage effect, which is the idea that the whole is greater than the parts. So as you were saying with the terpenes, the terpenes are the volatile oils of the plant, sort of the essential oils that are in hemp. So anybody who smelled cannabis can say that it's a very pungent smell. You can't miss it. That's the terpene profile. And each of these terpenes are essential oils that have their own magical, wonderful properties to it. So having the terpenes uh, as a part of your cannabis extract is really important. But then you also have the cannabinoids in there and a ton of other phytocannabinoids. So it's it's pretty fun. And then you put it together and it's magic. Yeah. And a couple of points of clarification that I think are important in the conversation is just a little bit more understanding of the difference between cannabis with THC and CBD-based products from hemp and maybe understanding the levels of each of those of CBD and THC in each, because I think uh, I've heard of people being hesitant to even use CBD because of the connection to cannabis. And I think this is an important thing to understand because it can be so helpful. And you mentioned our endogenous endocannabinoid system and how this is like a very vital part of the body. But I think some people still have a little bit of hesitation around it because of that connection. Totally. So any hemp product that you're going to find on the market is going to have less than 0.3% THC. So that's a very, very, very small amount of THC in it. To me, it's very important that we have that small amount of THC in it because it potentiates the actions of the plant as a whole. So when we're talking about the endocannabinoid system, there's two primary receptors. So there's the CB1 receptors, which are in the brain, and then the CB2 receptors, which are found throughout the body and in the immune system. So THC acts directly upon the CB1 receptors, which is why if you have a significant neurological condition like epilepsy or Parkinson's, MS, or even intractable pain, um, you might want to increase your THC content. But otherwise, you just need a tiny bit of THC to really potentiate the actions of the CBD. So CBD, instead of acting directly on the receptors, what it does is it acts sort of like an SSRI. So it makes it so that our body's endogenous cannabinoids are more available. They're not being broken down as rapidly. I know this gets a little bit confusing, but the gist of it is that um, CBD is really helpful. Having a little bit of THC is more beneficial and you're not going to get stoned from any CBD products on the market. It's really just a tiny, tiny amount. But I would say that if you do have some of those more significant neurological conditions, you may want to look into increasing THC just because that's going to help with a lot of those symptoms. And you mentioned the full spectrum and it working better as a whole like that. Can you give a little bit more clarity around the difference between full spectrum versus isolate? Because I've seen products with isolate forms and why we would want more of a full spectrum. Totally. So isolates are really popular. They're really cheap. Um, They're making a lot of pharmaceuticals off of isolates. So there was actually a meta-analysis done a couple of years ago that I always love referencing. It compared, there's a new drug for epilepsy called Epidiolex, and it's a CBD isolate that's been turned into a pharmaceutical. So this meta-analysis looked at the effectiveness of Epidiolex versus a complete spectrum hemp extract. So that has the terpenes, all the different cannabinoids, all the different phytochemicals from the plant. So what they found in this meta-analysis was that you needed four to five times the amount of the isolate to get the same seizure threshold reduction as the the full-spectrum extract. And it also showed that they had four to five times the amount of side effects from the isolate at that higher level. So basically, all of these different chemicals working together in the plant works more safely and more effectively than isolate. And this is shown in like research when you're looking at full plant extracts versus chemical isolates for pharmaceuticals in many different ways. There's there's research on the Chinese herb Qinghao and malarian, which has been made into the drug artemisian. So it's it's basically the idea, again, the, the entourage effect, the whole is greater than the part. And I think that we just need to remember that mother nature is much smarter than us and that using these plants as a whole plant is always going to be safer and more effective or almost always. I can't think of any example where, where that would not be true. 
Can you explain a little bit more about how the endocannabinoid system works? Because I also feel like this is one that is not as talked about, but it seems like the more we learn, the more important this is in understanding that kind of holistic view of how the body works. Yeah, well, it's the endocannabinoid system is really fun because the more you start researching into it, it affects really every aspect of the body. And again, it's bringing in this sort of regulatory aspects where it's decreasing pain, it's decreasing inflammation. There are receptors literally on every immune cell of our body for the endocannabinoid system. So there's very little that the endocannabinoid system is not affecting. And I would be very surprised if we don't find just more and more research coming out as we learn more and more about different receptors and about different cannabinoids. So in the cannabis plant, there's also, there are 113 different cannabinoids. So we mainly talk about CBD and THC, but you know, you're going to be learning more about CBG and CBN and all of these other cannabinoids that are being researched more and more now. But the main ways that I think of the endocannabinoid system working are, you can look at it in terms of immune health. It's really fantastic for regulating immune health. There's a lot of research on it, regulating cytokine storms, helping boost immune systems um, and keeping colds and flus out of the system. A lot of research coming out on using CBD for autoimmune disorders and using the endocannabinoid system for that. Actually, there's a really cool research study that showed that mice that uh, had traumatic events three three generations lower had uh, the the mice three generations lower had endocan uh, shifts in their endocannabinoid systems as well. So you can look at it as generational, you know, holding generational trauma. I mean, it's really really fascinating. But so immune health, gut health, I think that that's something that's really not well understood or discussed. Uh, CBD is really essential in terms of helping with gut health. It potentiates Acromantia monophilia, which is one of those hot bacteria, and I'm probably absolutely saying it wrong a thousand percent. It helps with peristalsis. There's a lot of research on CBD when it comes to cancer, whether it's colon cancer, or breast cancer. I mean, it's, it's pretty astounding. And then in terms of how it helps the brain, I mean, there's just a ton of research on that. But basically, I just look at it as I look at it as the type of plant and the type of supplement that if you have a high quality product that you should really just take every day. And I'm not just saying that because I own a CBD company. I genuinely feel like it's something that helps us a sort of reconnect with nature, but also reconnect with ourselves through that because it just affects really every aspect of our body and functioning. Yeah, I've heard it referred to, and I think you've even said this in other interviews, as kind of your body's master regulator. And one question I've heard people ask before is, why do we need a supplement with these now? Is this something that we used to get and we're not getting as much now? Like, for instance, magnesium used to be much more prevalent in our food supply than it is now. Or why are we having, an, it seems like an increased need to actually supplement with these kind of compounds now? Yeah, that's a great question. So we used to have hemp in our diets all of the time. So our animals used to eat hemp and we used to eat hemp and then it was taken out of our diet pretty dramatically, I believe in the twenties. So yes, we absolutely literally took that out of our diet completely. So that's something that we are no longer supplemented with just through our diet. Even, you know, I've, I've heard somebody talk about, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, chickens used to be fed hemp and when they would lay an egg if you would cook and eat that egg, it would be like 500 milligrams of CBD, essentially. So, you know, we used to have hemp in our diets. And we also, so that was taken out of our diets. And then on top of that, basically, we have those endogenous cannabinoids, which I talked about earlier, and we make those ourselves. And when we're under increased stress, we run through those stores of endogenous cannabinoids really quickly, because you're like, Oh, man, I'm in pain. Oh, I'm overwhelmed, you know, whatever it is. So we run through our endogenous stores of that really quickly because we're just under constant assault these days when it comes to stress. And so this way, having the additional supplement helps us keep regulating that system when we sort of run low on what we're doing because we're just burned out. That makes sense. And also, I think it's important to understand with herbs and probably CBD as well, I would guess, is that these are not like we're used to thinking in the pharmaceutical sense in the Western world, where you are going to take something and maybe necessarily feel an immediate effect. I feel like sometimes with herbs, you absolutely do. But it seems like they also have almost like a compounding effect over time, especially with CBD. Is that That's my intuitive sense, having used them. But is that actually happening that they can kind of like 
positively affect the body over time? And if so, what's that kind of average timeline for someone to understand if they're going to start taking herbs to begin to notice an effect? Yeah, herbs are definitely, well, I also think it's funny because I have a lot of patients who will quickly hesitate to take herbs for a long time or assume that herbs aren't working if it's been like a week or two that they've been on herbs. Meanwhile, people will give antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds months and and add on multiple different pharmaceuticals while they're waiting for it to work. So, you know, I think pharmaceuticals often do work in the same way. I think we just, you know, are less patient when it comes to herbs a lot of the time, um, mainly because there's a lot, lot of, uh, there's a lack of education about it for people. But CBD is really helpful over time. Uh, as I mentioned, it increases neurogenesis in the hippocampus. It helps regulate the brain and helps regulate the body. It builds uh, beneficial bacteria. So it's really doing so many things behind the scenes. But what you're really going to feel, what I noticed the most powerfully for me is that I feel more like myself, you know, and I think that a lot of moms can probably relate to this. You're just like frantic. You've got so much going on and like, there's just no, there's no pause. So like for me, CBD helps me come back to me and gives me a little bit more space also to start continuing to incorporate little steps into my life to be more healthy, to be more vibrant, to make more space for myself and more patient with my child or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. So it allows me to show up in my best possible self (laughs) at any time. But yeah, it's not, it's not this magic cure. You're not just going to, you know, I think a lot of people think that CBD, since there was so much hype, people got into this idea that we're just going to like, you're going to take it and all of your pain and all of your your issues are going to go away. You know, that's that's really not the case. You know, our herbs in particular, when we're adding them with Chinese herbs that are tonic herbs, they're going to boost you up over time and build health foundationally. But they're also going to, you know, I also look at herbal medicine as an opportunity to give yourself the space to also continue your healing process, you know, because sometimes we just need that first step. For sure. And you mentioned the blend of herbs that helps with PMS and female related problems. I'm curious if there are any that you have that are specifically helpful for sleep, because this is a common complaint I hear from a lot of moms. And certainly I saw this too, is when I had my first son, it was like, I went from being a super deep sleeper to, I could hear him breathe differently three rooms away and I was awake. And even now that my kids are older, I still have that like hyper vigilance a little bit. And I've worked really hard to get my sleep into a really good routine, but I know a lot of moms really struggle with getting enough sleep and quality sleep. So are there Chinese medicine solutions that help with sleep? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say just to make a a pitch for Chinese medicine as a whole, as a practitioner, as a human, as somebody who very much cares, I have never seen Western medicine do a better job of treating literally anything besides an acute situation, like a broken something than I have seen Chinese medicine when it's properly applied and when patients are compliant and following the practitioners. So for any of you who are dealing with chronic stress, chronic health disorders, chronic insomnia, I would very highly, very strongly uh, encourage you to find a practitioner of Chinese medicine, get regular acupuncture, get regular herbs, Acupuncture can be really expensive, so you can look into community acupuncture clinics. There are a lot of people who donate treatments. There are a lot of different ways that you can make it more affordable. Herbs are a way that you can sort of extend that, but really incorporating the wisdom of Chinese medicine as a whole into your life is really something that is is absolutely mind-blowing. And I think in today's society where we're so focused on rushing and quick fixes. I think the more that we can go back to this brilliant wisdom that we've been gifted, the better we're going to do. But when it comes to sleep, just honing it back in, I'll get back. Um, (laughs) In terms of our formulas, uh, our rest and relax formula is by far our bestseller. We have it in an oil version, which makes it really fast acting. So if you're the type of person that wakes up in the middle of the night, the oil is the one that I recommend. The capsules we also have, that one is stronger because that one has the water solubles and the oil solubles. We have a really cool extraction technique called spagyrics that's really unique and, and we get all the minerals and salts from the plants into it. So the capsules are stronger. So if you have sort of, I look at it as the monkey mind insomnia where you're going to bed and like you can't stop thinking about all the things that you have to do. 
I would get the capsules. But if you have the type of insomnia where you're waking up between one and three, then you might want to try the oils because that'll get you back to sleep faster. Good to know. And I think you're right. It's funny to me watching the stories come out about them validating now how meditation is actually turns out scientifically very good for the brain. And you know, everywhere else in the world, they've known this for a very long time or things like Qigong, having tried that now, it's amazing how much of a difference you feel, but also wearing wearables all the time. I see a difference in my heart rate variability and my sleep. And it's, it's really fun to see science, you know, in the U S starting to validate these things that practitioners have known for thousands of years. This episode is brought to you by sleep.me formerly called chili sleep. You've heard me talk about them before and with good reason. Science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. And temperature-controlled sleep repairs muscle after a hard day's work. It improves cognitive function, so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And definitely, for me, it correlates with more deep sleep. In fact, cooling my sleep environment has been the single most impactful change I've made for my sleep, and I desperately miss my cooler sleep environment when I travel. Chili Sleep makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper restorative sleep. Chili Sleep makes the Uller, the Cube, and the Doc Pro sleep systems, which are all water-based, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over any existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep, and they're designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power your day. They also just launched their new Doc Pro system, which has two times more powerful cold power than other models. It's whisper quiet and has a tubeless mattress pad that allows for five times more cooling contact. You can pair it with the new Sleep.me app for enhanced device control and sleep scheduling. And I love all of these because they cool your bed, not your room, which is more effective at keeping you cool while sleeping and uses less energy than, for instance, running your air conditioning really low all night. Head over to sleep.me slash wellnessmama to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Cube, Uller, or Doc Pro sleep system. The offer is available exclusively for you guys, Wellness Mama listeners, and only for a limited time. So that's sleep.me, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash wellnessmama to take advantage of these exclusive discounts. This episode is brought to you by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end, which is my line of non-toxic, family-focused personal care products, including hair care, oral care, and now deodorant. At my house, the kids' toothbrushes and the kids' strawberry toothpaste are by far the favorites. The toothbrushes come in a three-pack of fun colors, which makes it easy for my kids to know which toothbrush is whose. The strawberry toothpaste tastes great, so there aren't any fights about teeth brushing in my house. And I love that it's formulated around something called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral found in tooth enamel. All of our toothpaste use only EWG verified safe ingredients, are free of toxins, and are packed with ingredients that naturally support the oral microbiome for stronger, healthier, and whiter teeth naturally. We also have a natural whitening mineral toothpaste and a charcoal toothpaste, as well as floss and toothbrushes for adults. Check out these and all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. And we've touched on the mental health side a little bit. I think this is another big um, pain point for a lot of moms and certainly over the last few years seems to have intensified with everything everybody has going on. And with the recent uh, meta-analysis coming out showing that maybe depression, our understanding of depression wasn't maybe holistic and we didn't have a complete understanding of what's happening in the brain when someone's depressed and calling into question perhaps that these drugs that many people take aren't as effective and could be counterproductive in the long term. Um, I would guess that Chinese medicine has a lot of suggestions and solutions when it comes to mental health. And you, you touched on a couple of them, especially for moms, but anything else under the umbrella of mental health that you would want to talk about just from a Chinese medicine perspective? Yeah, well, it's it really is the difference in you know, again, sort of looking at the whole ecology of the body and the brain, looking at how our bodies are working as a whole, as opposed to, you know, here's the symptom, here's this ailment, you know, um, we look at the body and the brain as a whole system, they're completely interconnected. So as, as we talked about, you know, we look for patterns of disharmony within the body. 
So we use a lot of environmental terms in order to describe physiological actions because, you know, this medicine was was created thousands of years ago. So we didn't have microscopes and whatnot. But so we might look at, you know, different pathogenic factors that can either invade the body or come about within the body. So, you know, we, as I talked about with chi, that's sort of the energy of the body that can get stagnant and that can cause depression. Often you're going to see that you know, in that sort of stress pattern. Um, another form of depression that you might see, as I was mentioning, is sort of the digestive weakness. So we call that spleen chi deficiency in Chinese medicine. If you have spleen chi deficiency, you're going to be more prone to worrying. You're going to have that monkey mind before bed. You might have some loose stools. You might be prone to having allergies. You know, we have different patterns of disharmony based on how your whole body is working and all of the things that we're going to look at and talk to you individually about. So it's really fascinating to see how Western medicine, you know, like to see the comparison between these pharmaceuticals that again, just address one pathway. And it's always really funny to me because people will always ask me like, what pathways do these herbs work on and what do they do? And like, I love nerding out on all of that, but I'm like, it's so much more complex and beautiful than that. It's, you know, it's, it's not only what pathways do each individual herb work on, but then how are these herbs working together? And this is all wisdom again, that's been honed for thousands of years. But yeah, I think it's important to sort of look at your body, your overall health, and get an idea of where that might be coming from. So I think a lot of people have been sort of taught to ignore themselves, ignore their bodies, especially as moms. So the more that we can sort of check in with ourselves and be like, you know, like, how is my digestion doing? How do I feel when I eat this? Um, How is my energy, you know, I know wearing a trackable for my, my sleep has made a huge difference for me. You know, I think tracking your period, looking at all of these things and seeing where, where am I out of balance? What could I do? What are the little things that I can do day to day to try and bring myself back into harmony? I think as moms, again, we just get so overwhelmed. There's so much to do, but I think the more that we can take care of ourselves, the more that we can take care of our families then, you know, that just has this, this greater impact on society at large. So. Absolutely. I think that's a recurring theme and a hard one, admittedly for moms, but it's that whole very overused cliche of put your own mask on first. And that's such a, an easy thing to say and a hard thing to do, but it seems like Chinese medicine offers a whole other array of solutions that can really help with that and help with the mental health side and the energy side and the sleep side and all of those then have ripple effects into the rest of our lives as well. And I want to circle back to something we talked about in the beginning as well, because you mentioned your son and him having special needs. And I've worked quite extensively with kids with special needs. Even in high school and college, I got to work at a camp with kids kind of with an array of different special needs, including some very, very severe ones who were completely not mobile. And it was very formative for me. And I like I would guess from, I would immediately see this with your son, but those were some of the most incredible people I ever met in my life. And they are just joyful and happy and blissful and also go through things that many of us couldn't even imagine. And I'm sure as a mom who's living that day to day, you have such amazing perspective. And so I'm curious if you have any words for other moms in how we can raise our kids to be like helpful and kind and inclusive and loving in a world where people have conditions that may not appear normal. And how do we interact with that in a loving way? Yeah, no, I love this question. I, um, well, one, I would love for everybody to understand how much we all love our kids. So, you know, I think that, that often people, I, I see people get nervous about asking me questions, um, or talking to me about Remy or asking about his differences, For me, I could talk about Rem all day long. I could not be more proud of him. I I think he is just an absolute superhero and I love talking about him. Um, One thing that I really wish that all moms and parents would work on for us is that, you know, we're all at the place where we're talking to our kids about genders, sex, races, all of that. Like, please, please just include the conversation about ability. I think for some reason in our society, we have, it's such a, it's something that we're so uncomfortable with is talking about abilities and different abilities and disabilities and however you want to put it. Um, And I understand that there's, you know, the conversation can be uncomfortable and difficult Um, But really just talk to your kids about different abilities. It doesn't have to be complex. Most of the time when I talk to younger children about Remy, I just say, you know, his brain works differently than yours. And so, 
you know, some of the things that come really easy to you are really hard for him. So he can't talk verbally, but he's got a speech device and look, he talks with this iPad and he's just learning how to walk, but he's getting close and, you know, um, and then I'll focus on, you know, so he's, he's really different in some ways, but he also loves playing with water and bubbles and going on the swings and, you know, so most of the time it doesn't have to be that complicated of a conversation and kids really embrace it and are very, very sweet. But it is really hard sometimes as a special needs mom when, you know, it, we were already very isolated. You know, I remember when the pandemic started, everybody was just so overwhelmed and like horrified at the the levels of isolation that everybody was going through. And I remember literally just checking in with myself and being like, huh, literally nothing's changed in my life. Like this is just a Tuesday. Like there's no increase in isolation whatsoever. So for a community that's already so isolated and so tapped out, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for us if we're at the playground and your kids want to ask a question or want to come over and say hi, or asking why your son's, why my son's in a adaptive stroller or whatever. And you sort of pull them away. Like I would, I would a thousand, and I can't speak for every special needs mom, obviously, but I would a thousand percent rather an uncomfortable conversation that leads to inclusion than avoiding the conversation altogether, you know, but it would be great if, if more people would have this conversation at home to start and then help us as special needs parents facilitate the conversation with your kids. Because a lot of times kids come up to me and my son's solo and, um, and that can be sort of tricky because I don't, I don't know what your child understands and I want to, you know, help educate as best as possible. But, you know, so that's, that's one thing that I think would be really, really helpful for our community. Yeah, I feel like that's such valuable perspective. And it seems like kids, for the most part, they come from this place of genuine curiosity and they have just genuine questions. And often it seems like it's easier for them to understand some things than it is for adults. And they probably hear your explanation and go, oh, that's really cool. I want to see his iPad. How does it work? And then it becomes a bridging point for them to learn and also for them to connect with your son and, and probably beautiful learning all the way around. Totally. Kids are so, so wonderful, you know, but I think that they... It, it really does seem to be a weird thing that we as a society shun disabilities in that conversation. And it's interesting because I'm like, almost all of us will be in some way disabled at some point. Like we, we need to be able to have these conversations, you know, like we see elderly people who are disabled, like we need to talk about accessibility. And unfortunately, more and more children are, you know, having neurological differences or however you want to say it, you know, like there's, there's a massive uptick in uh, neurodiversity and neurological challenges and disabilities in children. So, you know, the more we can have this conversation, the more kids are going to be accepting, but yeah, I find kids are wonderful. If you talk to them about it, they really don't even ask that many questions. You just got to like jump in, but, um, but yeah, it's hard. I have a harder time when it's uh, when people avoid the conversation than just jumping in and talking. I mean, and now I'm at the point, I don't know if it works or not. <laughs> I've just started like, if kids are just staring at Remy, like, I'll just be like, do you have any questions? And like, you know, like, and normally I feel like, I'm, I feel like maybe that makes them nervous, but I'm, I'm learning also, you know, like I don't, I don't necessarily, I was a camp counselor and a soccer coach forever. I'm mainly with a child with special needs. I don't know the best way to approach neurotypical kids these days anymore because I live in my bubble as well, you know? So that's why I was like, you know, the more we can facilitate it together and bridge that gap, the better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah. And I think a valuable, even deeper life lesson for all of us is, you know, ask questions with kindness and curiosity. I think we would all get a lot farther. I actually grew up with two hearing impaired parents. And so I got to experience some of that as a child on the child side of it with my parents. And I'm really grateful for that perspective and that experience. And I'm grateful that my kids now are getting to grow up and learn sign language and interact with my parents in a different way and that they're able to have that curiosity. But I'm really glad you um, so eloquently explained that. Hopefully that gives some great perspective that leads to more inclusion and great conversations. And our time has flown by. You're so easy to talk to. A couple last questions I love to ask. The first being if there is a book or a number of books that have profoundly impacted your life. And if so, what they are and why? Well, I've been very deeply moved by the Tao Te Ching, which is no great surprise as a practitioner of Chinese medicine. I don't think many people have read the Tao. Um, it is basically a somewhat of a religious text, philosophical text, but it's it's a number of sort of poems and passages that sort of help teach you how to live or 
guide you on your path. And the the general theme is that, you know, the universe is unfolding as it should. And that as long as you trust in that and trust in yourself and you're a good person and you put your heart forward, then then the universe will unfold as it can. And and my favorite passage is uh, the 33rd Tao, which is knowing oneself as enlightenment. And, you know, it's really, you know, again, bringing it back to, especially as moms, like the more that we can actually care for ourselves and take that time for ourselves, the stronger we can be, the more centered we can be and who we are, the more we're going to pass that down to our children, the more we're going to see those ripples affect throughout society and throughout the world. So I, I always encourage everybody to read the Tao. It's really simple. It's um, really profound, really simple. And it's, it just is, it's almost like CBD in some ways. It's just going to help remind you of who you are in a lot of ways and bring you back to center, I feel like. So that's what it's always done for me. Yeah, that's a great point for moms because it's so easy naturally to take care of our kids and often so hard to take care of ourselves. But if we step back and look at what's the most effective way to encourage our kids to want to do anything, it's not by telling them to do it. It's not by forcing them to do it. It's not even by encouraging them to do it. It's by us doing it and them seeing the example and modeling it, even whether it's simple things like if I hope my kids want to get into art. If I sit down and start drawing or painting, they're much more likely to come do it with me. Or I want them to be active. If I'm active, they follow that example. And same thing with taking care of ourselves. I just think that's a tough one for moms and a great reminder from you today. And lastly, any parting advice for the listeners that could be related to one of the many things we've talked about or entirely unrelated? Well, just tying it back to everything, you know, again, as moms, we just get so overwhelmed. And I think there's this you know, we're, we're expected to do everything and have everything together. And, you know, a lot of times people get overwhelmed with making changes or start to believe that they need to make these profound changes in order to make a shift. You know, what I've found as a practitioner and as a human who has been through a lot of stuff, it's the little things. So I always say that something is better than nothing, you know, like take your herbs or meditate for two minutes or go for a little walk, you know, like, um, you know, when I'm looking at dietary shifts, often I'll tell my patients, you know, like, all right, cool. So like, you're not ready to cut out gluten, dairy and sugar today. Fine. I understand. I cried when I had to cut out gluten. I get it. But <laughs> like, maybe add an apple as a snack in between your meals so that when you get to dinner, you're eating less of the French fries or whatever it is, you know, like, I think that focusing on those little tiny steps are the way to like build sustainable health and to make those shifts overall, as opposed to, you know, looking at this big picture of this big profound life shift that often is too much for us to really sustain. So, so really the, the powers in the little steps, one of Remy's doctor always says, uh, poco, poco. So little by little, you know, just move imperfectly in the direction of your dreams and things will change. I think that's a perfect summary and a perfect place to wrap up. Chloe, thank you so much for your time and being here today. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you. It's been an honor. It's been a lot of fun. And thanks to all of you, as always, for sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.